The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. But Second Chronicles, as we have really looked at uh, his amazing life, the Bible began teaching us about his life in Second Chronicles 28 in your outline there. You saw what the nation really was enduring through the reign of his dad. Uh, we saw the uh, idolatry, uh, how they imitated the world and pagan worship, the immorality that was rampant, and then a lack of reverence for the things of God. Matter of fact, the, the temple of God uh, was used to house false deities and idols. And, and God's people were at an all-time low because they were embracing pagan gods from all the different countries round about them. So we learned a little bit about the condition of the people before uh, Hezekiah became the king. Uh, we saw there was a fresh start with Hezekiah in chapter 29. Although he's just a young man in his mid-twenties, his heart was, I want to get right with God and then I want to lead our country to a place where they once again are right with God. We saw a fresh start uh, there in the first three verses of that chapter. We saw he got into the temple and he cleaned it out. The filth was removed. Uh, he was willing to face the failures of the past and, and, and called them out, called his dad out, called those leaders out that were taking God's people away from the Lord. And then their new focus was, let's just obey God and get right with God. Uh, last Sunday, we spent the time in, in chapter 30 and 31, and we saw that the revival that started there in those southern two tribes uh, broke out into the rest of Israel. And we learned last week that when you have a heart that, that desires to serve God and be right with God, you're going to impact others. Uh, you will have influence on others as you live for the Lord. So now we're coming here to a time where I'm simply going to call the message here this morning a crisis and the will of God. Because sometimes as uh, we go through life as children of God, we come face to face with obstacles and trials and difficulties that sometimes we shake our head and we say, but God... I, I thought I was your child. God, I, I'm a believer. God, I was trusting you and you're taking me through this ordeal and I don't understand why. Is it possible to be right with God in the will of God and still be confronted with a crisis? Is, is God obligated to remove every difficulty from your life because you have trusted the Lord as your Savior? Or does God allow sometimes a crisis to come into our lives so that we can look to Him and seek His face and our relationship grows deeper with the Lord because He takes us to our knees and He causes us to look to Him as our only answer, our only hope. Listen, if you're in the midst of a crisis this morning, it doesn't mean that God's turned His face from you, and it doesn't necessarily mean here that God uh, is chastising you. Sometimes you can be right in the will of God and go through a difficult time. 
And that's exactly what we're going to find in this text this morning. So the last two verses of chapter 30, let's read them and go right into chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 31, and we'll go right into chapter 32. The Bible says, And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah, and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began, in the service of the house of God, and in the law, and in the commandments, to seek his God. He did it with all his heart and prospered. Now here's the question. Is Hezekiah in the will of God in this moment? Yes, he is. Is his heart one that is in a state of revival, desiring to please God in every area of his life? Yes, it is. So when I look at these verses in verse 20 where it says, what is he after? He wants to do what's good and right and truth. That tells me that Hezekiah's heart is in tune with his maker. And that he as a leader is desiring to set the example concerning being a man after God's own heart. By the way, that's the title that David got. He was a man after God's own heart. And I think we could say that of Hezekiah as well because he's desiring to do that which is good and right and truth. And then verse 21, And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it. That simply means that he gave himself to the Word of God. He allowed the Word of God to be the final authority in all aspects of life. He he searched the Word of God. He studied the Word of God. And then he desired not just to know it intellectually, but to live it out. And so the Word of God tells us here that he, uh, in verse 21, and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, And in the law and in the commandments to seek as God, he did it with all his heart. Father, help us this morning to see that sometimes you allow crisis to come into our lives from seemingly nowhere. And you have a plan, you have a purpose. And God, I would pray that our hearts today would recognize what you're trying to do during those difficult times. Lord, help all of us to have open hearts today to your word, allowing your spirit to be our teacher. Thank you so much for each one that's here today. Use your word, Lord, uh, to help us in our walk with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, number one, as we go to our outline, I want you to see the committed heart. Three things are spoken of here in this verse as you come out of the uh, chapter number 31, and we mentioned it in verse number 20. uh, He did that which was good. What a contrast to his dad Ahaz. We can go back just a couple chapters, chapter 28, verse uh, uh, 22, where when he was judged, when he was in a crisis... Let me just read what happened with his dad and his dad's reaction. And in the time of his distress, did he trespass yet what? More. So when a crisis came in daddy's life, here's here's daddy's response. All right, God doesn't care about me. I'm just going to go ahead and keep living just like I'm living. I'm going to go ahead and double down. 
I'm going to ignore God in every facet of my life, and I'm going to just live as I want to live. So while Hezekiah, his son, is seeking to do what is good, it seems like Ahaz is going to trespass all the more. Same crisis comes into everyone's life, different times, different seasons. For, for Ahaz, it was in his rule that this adversary rose up against him and he doubled down and he just says, listen, I'm going to continue living a godless life. What a contrast. Hezekiah in this verse is going to do what's right. The Bible tells us concerning his dad, chapter 28, verse 1, he did not that which was right. It's polar opposites. Whatever his dad did that disgraced God and and God's word and God's temple, Hezekiah said, listen, I'm going to step into the will of God and I'm going to go God's way. I, I want God here to be the focus in my life. And then the Bible says concerning uh, Hezekiah, he was committed in heart to the truth. You know, his dad didn't know much about truth. His dad was really flirting with all the other deities. If you study uh, the chapter just before uh, Ahaz is, is, is finally coming to the end of his reign, you see that when a, a, a nation comes in to destroy him, his reaction is, well, I think I'll follow the gods of that nation because they're pretty strong. You know, it's like their God's bigger than my God, and so I'm going to embrace their God. That was his solution. So it had nothing to do with the truth of God's word. It had everything to do with a pragmatic spirit and heart. I I just want to do whatever works. And if that God is a stronger God than my God in the moment, I'll take my God and push him to the back, and I'll start following this other pagan God. That was the attitude of dad. No truth could care less about truth. I just want to grab onto a solution, whatever uh, that might be. Uh, not doing what's right. He's leading his people into immorality. Not doing what is good. He trespassed the more in a time of crisis. So Hezekiah has, number one, a committed heart. But let's go to chapter 32 and see his crisis. Like I said, there's a crisis. It's coming. We don't know when. We, we don't know from, from which direction it's coming our way, but for Hezekiah, the, the crisis was severe. The Bible says in chapter 32, verse 1, after these things, he's in the will of God. He's wanting to do good. He's wanting to do right. He's walking in truth, and yet a crisis comes. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Child of God, don't think that somehow because a crisis shows up at my door that all of a sudden God's forgotten about me. God's going to use that crisis if you maintain your committed heart. Committed to do God's word. And so the crisis arises. And the Bible tells us here that the crisis is in the form of this King Sennacherib. He's the king of the Assyrians. He came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Now, let me give you a historical perspective. 
Originally, of course, we know that there were 12 tribes in Israel, and for the first three kings, they were all united as one nation. Uh, We have Saul for 40 years, ruling and reigning over all 12 tribes. After him was David, who ruled over a united kingdom. And after David, it was his son Solomon, who ruled over a united kingdom. So all 12 tribes for 120 years, they were one nation. And yet we see after the rule of Solomon, there was a dividing of God's people. And in the scripture, you're going to have a distinction between the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. The kings of Israel are to the north, those ten tribes. The kings of Judah are the the two tribes to the south, Judah and Benjamin. Now, God was going to raise up Sennacherib, the Assyrians, in judgment against Israel to the north. And those ten tribes have already endured the chastening rod of God in judgment. And those are scattered. Those tribes are scattered. The remnant that's left behind in the previous chapter, we see Hezekiah reaching out to those and saying, Hey, why don't you see that going the route of being a pagan is not going to help when the crisis of life comes. Why don't you come back to God? And he invited them to come down to celebrate the Passover. And so people from Ephraim and from Manasseh and other tribes in the north, they came down to where Hezekiah was and they worshipped in the previous chapter. And we're, we're seeing a revival taking place in the land. But... As he's in the will of God, he has a committed heart, a crisis shows up at his door, and it is the king of Assyria, it is Sennacherib. Now, I want you to know that there's a gospel that's being preached that is not the gospel of this book, the Bible. It's a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. You can't help but turn on the television once in a while and come across an evangelist that's trying to preach that gospel. It's a false gospel. Uh, And and the premise is simply, if you'll just give enough money, usually it's to that ministry, uh, then God is going to start doing all of these wonderful things. And, And if bad things start to happen, it's because you're out of the will of God. And so to get back in the will of God, well, uh, you know, through your contributions, you can, uh, you can see this health, uh, you can see this wealth, you can see this prosperity. The problem is it's not a Bible teaching. All through the Bible, you've got godly people that went through times of crisis. And they were right in the will of God when the crisis came to their front door. Uh, Hezekiah is just one of those illustrations. But let me ask you, what was Job doing that allowed the crisis to come into his life? Financial ruin, health is ruined, losing his family. Uh, Was he out of the will of God? Was he sinning against God? Not at all. Not at all. Matter of fact, Satan couldn't say anything against Job. And we recognize that throughout the Scripture there have been men like that. How about Joseph? What did Joseph do worthy of being thrown in prison outside of desiring not to yield as a young man to the advances of his master's wife? Uh, He pushed her aside. He said, I want nothing to do with that immorality. 
he, he fled from Potiphar's wife, leaving his cloak in her hands. Let me tell you something. Uh, Joseph here endured prison in the will of God. And we can go to Daniel, and we can go to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we can go to countless other children of God that were right in the middle of God's will when the crisis shows up. So I, I don't want you to psychoanalyze somebody that's having a hard time or somebody that's having a setback or someone that's having a difficulty and, and, and you prejudging, oh man, maybe God's doing something. How about we just assume here that they're in the will of God and this is an opportunity for God to draw that individual closer to himself. Because that's exactly what's going to happen here in Hezekiah's life. So we have a committed heart, we have a crisis that arises. You know, even in the New Testament, remember the story of Jesus in the boat with a storm? And uh, it's interesting there in uh, Mark chapter number 4, verse 35, Jesus commanded the disciples to get in the boat knowing full well there's a storm that night. Question, are they in the will of God or out of the will of God to get in the boat? Well, Jesus commanded them to get in the boat. They were in the will of God. They were obeying God. And yet God sent the storm into their life. So can we just mark it down that not every crisis that comes in my life is because of my disobedience. Sometimes a difficulty comes in my life because I'm in God's will. And God's going to use this in my life to help me to draw even closer to Him. And that needs to be our spirit in our attitude. So coming out of verse number two, the Bible says, and when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, verse three says, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. Number three this morning, not only a committed heart, not only a crisis arises, but number three, counsel is sought. You know, the Bible tells us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And when you're in the will of God, you know what your heart is? Your heart is also to commune and fellowship with other people that are in the will of God so that you might be able to get godly counsel. That's exactly what Hezekiah is doing here. He's seeking the counsel of others. He took counsel with his princes and his mighty men. We can go back into the uh, previous chapters and recognize that the mighty men that God raised up in Hezekiah's life were, were, were filled with the Spirit of God. They were, they were holy warriors. They were men that had a touch of revival and they desired to honor God first and foremost. And here in the scripture, these are the individuals that Hezekiah is going to seek counsel. You know, when you have a time of crisis, it's good to have good, godly, Christian friends. It's good to have people that you know that are walking in the will of God that you can reach out to and that you can speak with. It's, it's good to have a, a pastor and others in the church that can encourage you in those areas. Counsel is sought. Now, it's obvious from the previous chapter that he's counseling with the Lord. He's wanting to do what's good. He's wanting to do what's right. Uh, he's giving his whole heart to the Lord, to the service of the Lord. And yet, in a practical way, he's reaching out to other godly individuals 
that can help in the time of his crisis. Let's read on. Verse number 4. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? So the word here is cooperation, number four. You know, when you have a, a crisis, it's, it's good to go seek godly counsel. And in times of crisis, it's good to get help from others. And here, this cooperation, working together, it was, a, it was a, a national crisis. And so nationally, folks are stepping up and they're using the brain that God gave them. And they recognize that this is a, this is a standing army that's outside our walls. And, and this army is going to need here certain things to, to have a siege. And, and we're not going to just make it easy for them. We're going to do all we can to take away those precious commodities that they'll need in the field. And one of those, of course, is water. So they're cooperating together to stop up those springs so that it makes it extra difficult for Sennacherib and the Assyrians to have the water that they need. Cooperation in our times of crisis. By the way, the Church of the Living God is really a rally point for that, uh, where we can uh, come together in our times of crisis and, and we can cooperate and and uh, every part of the body providing uh, some necessary help. We're not all going to be able to do what, what some can do, but we can do something. And working together in cooperation, we can see the crisis faced in a godly manner. Number five, notice verse five, and the Bible says, and he strengthened him, this is uh, Hezekiah himself, and built up all the wall that was broken and, and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and repaired Milo and the city of David and made darts and shields in abundance. So here we see the construction. It started. Number five, the construction has started. Physical preparation for a battle. Uh, repairing walls. Dealing with the towers making sure here that they had the shields and they had all the implements of war ready at hand. There's a good lesson here. We have to do everything that we can do in a crisis. God gives us tools. God gives us a brain. God gives us here resources uh, as we go into these trials. And, and it's not the spirit of, hey, well, I'll just leave it all up to God. And, and not recognize that God gives us some of the resources to deal with some of the crisis that comes our way in a very practical, practical way. There may be resources that are available through family, uh, through a network of friends, all different ways that God can use in our time of crisis. But we see that construction is started. And that's not a lack of faith. That's not saying that, oh, I don't believe God's big enough to take care of the enemy. No, it's just doing what you can and then trusting God to do what only God can do. All right? It is recognizing that I have a part and I want to do the best I can in, in dealing with the crisis, looking to God, and yet preparing. And so construction on the project is started. Reminds me here of old Asa the king of Judah that had that 
army uh, of the Lubins, the, the million man army that was coming up against him. And the Bible says he set the battle in array. That means he got on the field. That means that all of his, his military was ready for a confrontation. But God showed up. And God took over. And God gave a great victory. Asa did what he could do. God did what only God can do. And that has to be your response and your attitude in the time of crisis. Recognize here, I'm committed in heart to the Lord. I'm in the will of God. Here comes the crisis. Sennacherib, uh, his armies, they're coming to surround us. I'm seeking godly counsel. I'm cooperating here together with others in this time of crisis. There's a construction that's going on. I'm doing what I can do. And then number six, we see captains are enlisted. And the Bible says, and he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city and spake comfortably to them, saying, captains are enlisted. He's trusting in the Lord, and yet he's getting his army ready. He's looking to the Lord as his captain, as his champion, and yet he's got his earthly captains that are all well aware of the battle that they're about uh, to be engaged in. And so captains here are enlisted. The Bible also tells us in this verse 6 that we see comfort is being offered now. Notice how Hezekiah speaks to the captains. He set captains of war over the people, gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city, and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. Don't you love that? Is he outnumbered? Historically, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. There is no way that he's going to win this battle if you're just talking about heads, counting heads. But he looked at his captains and he said, listen, there's more with us than with them because we have God and God makes the majority. And so in our time of crisis, we do the best we can. We recognize here that there is a responsibility that we have in cooperating in, in some uh, construction and offering comfort in, in, in just allowing here that crisis to be one where we are relying on the Lord but doing what we are able to do. And so comfort here is being offered. What powerful words. you got to love verse number 8. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Listen, for a child of God going to war, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. Are you going to get the captains all, all uh, up to date as to what needs to be done? Absolutely. Are you going to build your towers? Sure. You're going to get your shield and, and, and all your weapons of war? Yes, you're going to do all that. Uh, you're going to go ahead and stop up the spring so that the enemy doesn't have access to that? Yeah, you're going to do all of that. But when it's all said and done, the battle's the Lord's. When it's all said and done and the crisis here, God's your champion. 
God's the one that you want to step out on the field. God is the one here that uh, has to fight uh, on our behalf. And I'm so glad I'm a child of God this morning. I'm so glad that I am on God's side. Uh, Listen, God's not picking sides, but I'm glad I'm on his side. I'm glad here that he's my champion, that he's my war here. And these words of comfort that Hezekiah are offering uh, are just what was needed in, in that moment. By the way, when someone else is going through a time of crisis, why don't you offer words of encouragement and comfort? Don't be the three friends of Job. Nobody needs friends like that. All right, don't, don't, don't be Job's friends. Uh, uh, you be a friend that will encourage. You be the friend here that gets your focus back on God and what God's able to do in times of crisis. You, you be the one here that marvels in God's power and, and how awesome our God is and the reality that this is not my fight, it's God's fight. And I'm resting in Him. That's what the Scripture says. That they just rested. The people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Listen, this morning, just rest on it. Just believe it. Just trust Him. Say, Pastor, I've not even told people about this crisis that I have right now going on in my life. You don't have to. God knows all about it. Just rest. Just rest in His ability. Rest in His might. Rest in His power. Rest in Him. Trust Him this morning. Let Him be your champion. All the words of comfort. Now, when you get to the last half of verse number 8, we see the clarity of focus. And that truly is, I've got to rest in God. I've got to trust God. I've got to just have faith in God. This is a problem too big for me to handle. And, And listen, if you take nothing more out of the message here this morning, just take out the thought that when the crisis comes and it's way beyond you, you need to rest in God. You need to trust in Him. You need to just recognize that God alone can be my champion. Now, I don't have the time this morning to go from verse 9 through verse 19. I'd love for you to read it, but it's the enemy. And it's the enemy coming to Hezekiah and throwing up all these lies into his face and trying to discourage the people and mock uh, Hezekiah's God and mock Hezekiah's faith and, and they're, they're, they're doing this, this uh, uh, intimidation tactic uh, making it heard throughout uh, uh, the land here that, that Sennacherib's uh, his, his, his army is invincible that you cannot defeat him no God has stood up against Sennacherib and the Assyrian God it's hopeless, give up! That's the message of those verses. But I'm so glad that there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah that grabbed the king by the elbow and said, let's go pray. You you can read that here. Let's look at it, verse number 20. And the Bible says here, coming out of verse 19, And they spake against God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of men, And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. Here's your blank for number nine. 
uh, crying out in prayer. Hezekiah found a prayer partner. Hezekiah uh, looked to the man of God and said, would you pray with me? I don't know what I'm going to do. This, this Sennacherib's destroyed everybody in his path. There's no stopping him. He's invincible. He's a, he's a gigantic force. And, and, and I'm resting in God. I'm trusting in him. I, I believe I, I'm in the will of God. I believe I'm honoring God with my life. I'm trying to do that which is good and right and truth. I'm with my whole heart seeking after the Lord and out of nowhere this crisis arrives. And I I know it's not because of sin. I know it's because God's going to do something. And when God does something, He does it really good. And they go to prayer. And these men are just crying up to the Lord. And I just love the simplicity of the Scripture Because you come out of verse number 20, and is this precious or what? Verse 29. And the Lord sent an angel, which cut off the mighty men of valor, and the leaders and the captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with a sword. You look at that and you go, are you kidding me? You, you mean they had the towers ready and they had the shields and they had the spears and, and, and they had the captains all ready to go and yet the man just said, listen, let's just get God on the battlefield. Let's just trust God. This battle is not ours. This battle's the Lord's. Let's go to prayer. And there as Isaiah and, uh, and Hezekiah got together and prayed, God simply uh, in heaven says, okay, uh, do I got a volunteer? You got an angel here? Okay, uh, I just need one of you. <laughs> Would you go down there and, and, and help these boys out? One angel. This is not 10,000 angels coming to work. This is one heavenly host that shows up and says, let me show you what God can do. Listen, however big the crisis is this morning, can I tell you that in a moment, God can turn it around. God is desiring to get glory in your crisis. God is desiring you to recognize it's not your battle, it's His battle. And God's trying to drive you to the very best place that any one of us could be on our knees, recognizing how weak we are and how strong He is. And listen, when God shows up on the battlefield, He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. Isn't that an amazing story? I'm so glad I'm on God's side. I'm so glad that when you read the back of the book, folks, we win. All right? We're looking, yes, it's an awful, awful day, and it seems like things are chaotic and crisis everywhere. God's still on the throne. And I can trust Him today. I can rest on him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heads bowed. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.